This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Next Wednesday, on July the 6th, the European Soccer Championship for women begins. Women's football is really beginning to take off now everywhere. And it it has gone in an arc from novelty to uh, now being respected. And that is a huge advance for women's football. And to discuss this now, uh, we're going to talk... To Philip O'Connor. Philip is an Irish journalist who's lived and worked in Sweden for over 20 years, and he has been talking to uh, some of the big names in the game. And interestingly, Ireland, the Irish women, played Georgia away uh, on Monday and beat them 9-0 and are fighting for a playoff spot for next year's World Cup. So the game is improving here as well. And top of the group that Ireland are in, for the World Cup qualifiers are Sweden's. Philip, uh, thanks very much for joining us. The development and popularity and respect the women's game is now receiving is uh, arguably long overdue. And that's, I would would be as guilty as most other football commentators or observers of ignoring it. Uh, we have to stop that, don't we? Because there are some really, really good teams. The standard is getting really very, very good, very high. I'm thinking of Megan Rapinoe, the captain of the United States team, uh, who is an outstanding player and who is also very radical as a person. And she secured for her team the same salaries, wages, as the Americans' men team. They're probably better than the Americans' men team anyway. Indeed they are, Eamon. Indeed they are. Yeah. Now, tell us what's going to going on. And uh, the finals of the Euros are taking place in England with the final at Wembley on July 31st. Exactly. So, I mean, it's been an amazing few years for women's football. But if we look at this on the history of it in general, I mean, in, in my time and in your time growing up in Dublin, you know, we basically had this idea that women didn't play sport. And if they did in Dunny Kearney, where I come from, there was a little bit of camogie at the Craig Kieran Club, but they weren't really visible in that way. You had certain sort of exceptions to that rule, like Sonia O'Sullivan and that, but it wasn't something that was covered. It wasn't something that was encouraged and it wasn't something that was taken seriously. 
But when I moved here to Sweden in 1999, Sweden have always been one of the superpowers in women's football. Indeed, they were the first European Championships back in uh, European Champions back in 1984 before UEFA even organized the tournament. It was kind of organized on an ad hoc basis back then. So when I moved here, Eamon, obviously I've been interested in football all my life, but all of a sudden you were confronted with a situation where the game was taken seriously and where women could be seen in media and there was the odd match report and then obviously the national team as you mentioned there they would get their headlines their results would be reported in the papers so that's sort of where my interest in it started to grow around 2003 and 2004 there there's a great team up in the north of Sweden from Umeå who were doing great things in the Champions League mostly with homegrown players but also with a brilliant left footer Brazilian called Marta and the first time I saw her play it was kind of like the first time that I saw Maradona play she was yeah. just unbelievable she was just playing on a different plane to everybody else but that said it has been a long hard struggle for women to have to be taken seriously in the game and that's why I'm so delighted that when we suggested that we'd have this conversation that somebody of your stature and your history in the game would be you know it's that it's time for us to have that discussion now but the upcoming European Championships now which has taken place in England starting next week uh, a couple of years ago the World Cup was held in France in 2019 and just before that event, Eamon, I spoke to Pia Sundhage. Now, Pia's a legend of the game. She would have played hundreds of games for Sweden, one of those European Championships winner, winners. She coached in the USA. She coached the Swedes when they hosted the tournament in 2013. And I asked her, was the 29 World Cup, was that going to be the watershed? Was that going to be the breakthrough moment for women's football? And she said to me, if I had a fiver for every time I thought that women's football was going to make a, a breakthrough, I would have made a lot more money than what I actually made from the game. But it turned out to be the case. Millions and millions of people worldwide started to watch women's football there and that has led to a situation where the top flight in England is shown on Sky where there's a much greater interest than ever there was before as this tournament is about to get underway. Yes and just to uh, for the record you sent me a piece of research to, to help with this interview and you said in brackets there's a good chance that Eamon earned more at Millwall that some of the winning, the women are getting paid today. It's an absolute certainty that they're all getting more <laughs> than I was getting at Millwall. So I, I just be wanna, so sure, Evan. <laughs> I want to put that record straight. It was 35 quid a week if you were lucky. Um, well, but, you, if we want to get into the wages issue, Evan, um, basically the Women's Super League in England now, the top flight in England, it's sponsored by Barclays. It's a fully professional league, right? Yes. But that comes with a very big but, right? There's evidence to suggest that some of the women there are earning maybe £20,000 a year. Okay, yeah. Uh, so the the baseline rate that I've been told by the league previously was twenty six thousand pounds. That's what the lowest wage should be. So if you compare that to the Swedish centre back Nilla Fischer, who's actually not going to play for Sweden, she's taking a bit of a break from the national team. She was playing for Wolfsburg in Germany. And she told me the players in the men's team there made more in a week than she did in a year. So there's yes. still an enormous discrepancy where, you know, players in the Premier League, some we've heard about Paul Pogba and Wayne Rooney and these lads on 300 to 500,000 pounds a week. In fairness, their, their sort of, you know, a weekly wage could be the annual budget for a team like Chelsea for Manchester United. So it's very strange as a journalist to be in a situation where you're going to a huge tournament like that and the players actually earn less than you do. Now, that's due to many, many factors, but it is a vast 
improvement on, on the time when there was no professional players in England, when, you know, if they got a bit of petrol money, they'd have to be content with that. So some yes. of the major players, there's a striker, Danish striker called Pernilla Harder, who plays for Chelsea now, and she was bought from Wolfsburg. The transfer fee was reputed to be £300,000, right? right? And it kind of reminded me when Trevor Francis became the first million pound footballer right. in England. It just, it was like, it's just out of this world that a club, back then, of course, they had Roman Abramovich's money. But to pay that kind of money, usually the contracts are much shorter. So it might be for a season, maybe two seasons, and it's free transfers for all the rage. Long before Bosman, you know, people were signing contracts for a year and they were free to go because clubs couldn't afford to keep them. So that is also changing. Clubs like Barcelona now are taking things very seriously. Yes, They're they paying- are. Yeah, they're paying huge, not huge money now. Everything is relative, you know. And one of the things we should probably also be careful, careful of, and we've already done it several times in this conversation, is comparing women, female players to men's players. I always try not to do that. I almost try to treat it as a separate sport. But sometimes you have to draw those parallels between what you wear in the Millwall and Trevor Francis and that seminal transfer, just to give people an idea of the scale of the differences involved between the two. Yeah, I mean, to, to give you a bit of historical context, because I've been researching it as, while I've been adjusting my own prejudices, if, if you like, the English FA banned women's soccer in the UK after World War I, yeah. uh, uh, when it had become uh, very popular. And uh, just noting that with the FAI and the Irish things, there's not many things you can praise the FAI for at the moment. But they do pay, uh, our women international players get paid the same as the men. But let me ask you, uh, because all great uh, sports depend on stars, and I want to ask you about Megan Rapinoe. Uh, she's American. I saw her play about seven or eight years ago. Uh, American England had two very good teams. She's, she was the one who started this campaign for equal pay but also for respect. And she's a very, very good player, and she's a very interesting woman uh, away from the game. And her activism off the pitch involves LBGT, plus it addresses the prejudice that women have to face, whatever they do, that's new. She's a fascinating character, Eamon, and she can also be very divisive because a lot of, a lot of people look at this sort of uppity woman and, you know, she's very, she's very straight, right? So she comes, as you mentioned herself, uh, as you mentioned herself there, she, she's a, a gay woman. Like, for some reason, f- women's football is very welcoming of gay people, right? There's an awful lot of gay women involved in the game and it's never been a problem. You know, there's sometimes little personality clashes in the dressing rooms, but it's somewhere where they have always felt safe and welcome. So that has provided a platform for her. Her own brother actually turned out to be a neo-Nazi fellow with sort of, you know, really? you know, questionable tattoos is the way I might put it, you know. Um, and she has had those arguments and those discussions with people, but she has never backed down from them and never shied away from them. So when the discussion about equality came along, they're not necessarily talking, like women in football are not talking about getting paid the same as the Cristiano Ronaldo's or the Leo Messi's of this world. They, they understand that that's not the world we're living in, right? But what they're talking about is what in Northern Ireland we've often called a parity of esteem, right? Yes. And the fact of the matter is that the, the U.S. women's national team are far better historically than the men's national team. The men's national team are hopeless. Most yes. of them kick a ball out of their way. The women's team won the World Cup. They've won yes. Olympic gold medals. They're one of the most feared teams, one of the best teams in the world. And when you look at them play, they're one of the most talented teams in the world as well. And when Rapino got this idea into her head, 
She's quite a distinctive looking woman as well, right? She has this sort of purple pinkish hair as well. Uh, she's quite small, tremendous player on the ball, tremendously intelligent player. But when she stands on the side of the f- field and speaks into microphones, she brings an incredible clarity to these arguments. And she's saying, we, we're not looking for something that we don't deserve, but we are the ones. The reason that uh, sponsors flock to American soccer is because of soccer moms. It's because of women. They're only looking for what they deserve. They are the ones who brought in the results and the ones who brought in the medals the ones who brought in the sponsor dollars. They're the ones who bring in the viewers when the games are on TV. And indeed, you know, the, the North American Soccer League, the Women's Soccer League there is hugely popular. So she was one of the ones, and they, she sort of paved the way, if you like, for these discussions. It's happened now in Norway, it's happened in Ireland, it's happened in Sweden, it's happened in Denmark, where the, the fees, the match fees that the players get, get are now the same. And that wasn't the case in the past, particularly in Ireland, where you will remember a few years ago, a press conference at Liberty Hall, where the Football Association of Ireland had to be called out by the players because they were sharing tracksuits with one of the yes. underage men's teams. That was uh, during the uh, John Delaney regime. Exactly. Uh, just to point out, uh, in the case of Megan uh, Rapino, she's sponsored by Nike, Procter & Gamble, Samsung. She has a whole range of uh, sponsors and also there's a clothing company called Wild Fang, uh, as well as uh, Nike, which of course is uh, sports clothing. But Every sport and every uh, cultural activity really needs a superstar. It needs someone, a Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo or, uh, you know, Johnny Sexton, Ronan O'Gara, Brian O'Driscoll. It is those uh, greats of of a sport that attract audiences. And this is what's beginning to happen, it seems to me, Philip, as you said, Miskara is showing the Women's Champions League now. They're showing the Women's Premier League. And I suppose that is the next question. Crowds, audience. And I suppose this uh, European Championship is starting next week will help in that regard. And then the World Cup, there's a World Cup uh, in next year, actually, 2023. So these are the big events that can really help women's soccer to make the transition to full equality. I, I, and I think that process is ongoing. That snowball is, is really sort of starting to gain momentum now. Um, if you go back to 2013, Eamon, the European Championships was held in Sweden and places like Linköping and Kalmar and Gothenburg. Uh, Sweden were beaten actually in the semi-finals in Gothenburg by Germany. A most incredible game. I mean, of all the games of football I've seen in my life, and I've seen an awful lot of them from the Champions League, the World Cup and the European Championships from it, I've never seen an atmosphere as electric that night. And I can only imagine what would have happened if Sweden had won that game, but they lost to Germany that night. And I remember I covered that tournament here because it was it was relatively easy, right? So a lot of the media outlets that I would work for, I went to them and I said, okay, we spent a fortune covering uh, the Euros for men in Ukraine and Poland the year before. You'll remember Irish outlets, everybody would have had a, a, somebody there, right? Nobody wanted anything from Sweden. Nobody wanted to cover it. Nobody wanted to invest in it at that point. And that meant then that I said, okay, I'm going to put my kids and my wife in the car. We're going to go and take the tent and we'll camp and I'll go and cover the games in the evening. And that was the the beginning of it for me, of really trying to take the sport seriously and really trying to lift it. But the unfortunate thing, Eamon, was that when Sweden played, every game was sold out. 
But when Denmark played, or less was in the south of Sweden and people could come across the border, the crowds weren't great. And that was always the problem, that you have these magnificent occasions. You have the European Championships and the arena is only half full. So when it came to playing this uh, this tournament now in England, they were looking at it going, OK, we want to be on the safe side here. We don't want to have it at you know, Old Trafford or Anfield where you know we might have empty seats. So they chose slightly smaller venues. And now it turns out that those venues aren't big enough. And the players right. are saying, OK, well, why are we playing at what is essentially Manchester City's training ground? where Manchester City's women's team play when, you know, we could probably actually sell out, maybe not sell out the Etihad, but we could get an awful lot more players there. And part of that as well comes down to, you correctly mentioned the idea of stars, of great players, but what motivates us to take an interest in sport is personality, Eamon. Mm-hmm. Megan Rapinoe, as you rightly identify, is somebody, a fascinating person, a great player, but a yes. fascinating person as well. There are many great heavyweight boxers in our time, but Muhammad Ali sticks out. There are many great female boxers in our team, but Katie Taylor sticks out because of the enigma that she is. And there's a sort of a generation now of players who are, in their own right, they are brilliant footballers. But they're also fascinating people. One of the the main ones would be Ada Hegebe. She's a Norwegian centre forward. She plays for Olympic Lyon. Yeah, she's so just you went back. to speak to her recently, didn't you? Yeah, I was actually over in Oslo last week to speak to her. Now, she's another fascinating character because her team in 2017 went to the Euros. They didn't score a goal, didn't register a point, and went straight out to the group stage. Again, Norway, one of the few teams to win the World Cup and the European Championships. A super power in the game. And she thought, look, at the FA are not taking this seriously. And I'm sick of turning up, you know, using time that I could be spending with my husband or time that I could be spending with my family or working my game and to turn up to this circus and she went okay I'm not coming anymore so she basically boycotted the team didn't take part of the 2019 World Cup everybody thought including me that she would come back for the World Cup she didn't she stuck to her guns and recently they elected a new president Lisa Klovnes of the Norwegian Football Federation and she has started to address a lot of those things that Arda Hegeberg had a problem with in terms of professionalism around the women's team and now she's back and my god Eamon when you turn on your television next week to watch her. She's a real classic centre forward and she has this incredible ability to just create that tiny bit of space that she needs as the cross comes in and the next thing the ball's in the back of the net. So when she returned to the Norwegian national team in April a hat-trick in her first game. When she played in the Champions League final against Barcelona the first half of that game was one of the most incredible halves of of just soccer in general that you'll ever see. Extremely high technical level. Goals from everywhere. Excitement. Great pressing play. Great tactical play. And it was a wonderful game and eventually you know it's kind of like the Germans winning on penalties Leon went on to win it She's the top scorer in the Champions League and an incredible player to watch. But not only that, Pernilla Harder from Denmark, another tremendous centre-forward. Wendy Renard, the centre-back for France. I don't think I've ever seen her lose a duel in the air. Incredible header of the ball and a great score from set pieces. Much like our own Louise Quinn from Bray, who scored a couple of goals against Georgia the other day. Katie McCabe, another Irish girl who's playing for Arsenal and is yes. counted among the world's elite at the moment. So when, not just girls, but when you and me and boys and men and women and girls have these players to look up to it's so much easier and then having those games on Sky there we can follow Katie McCabe and we can follow Louise Quinn every week and that really is what keeps the audience coming back One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes Nice dress uh, It's a it's a t-shirt Until you tried it on Same goes for your healthcare That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more so whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, and uh, interestingly, the other day, when Ireland uh, beat Georgia 9-0, this was a way... Uh, in Georgia, a new or potential superstar appeared. Abby Larkin is her name. Uh, she's only 17 years old, but everyone in Ireland, according to her coach, Vera Powell, is aware that she is perhaps headed for stardom uh, and she could be somebody who can, you know, if you like, enrich the women's game in Ireland and and get crowds to go and and get sponsors, which is very important. Money talks, and it's very important, but it tends to reflect the level of interest there is out there in the public. Just to uh, go back for a moment to the Megan Rapinoe and the United States soccer team, when they won the World Cup in 2015, they got a ticker tape welcome in New York City, which is the ultimate in America, if you get that. Each player received a key to the city from Bill de Blasio, who is, uh, was the mayor of New York. President Obama invited the team to the White House, and it really built the kind of interest and status, respect that you need. And uh, you know, I've subsequently seen them play. I actually watched that World Cup and it was very, very, England have a very good team as well, or they did at that time. Mm. But what's your hope, Philip, for this coming European Championship which, start, which starts next week? Well, I think the best thing about the timing of this European Championship, Eamon, is the fact that there are so many great contenders out there, right? England have made a slew of semi-finals since 2015 was sort yes. of their breakthrough in Canada, and everybody all of a sudden started taking them seriously, because they were kind of like, you know, that stereotypical image of English football, you know, hoof it long and, you know, get it up to the big girl up there and see what she can do with it. But now they're a much more technical team, and that has been, you know, uh, Lucy Bronze, who played uh, she, I think last season she was at Manchester City, she's gone to Barcelona now, and 
Barcelona, when they're on the ball, it's the same tiki-taka football that Barcelona is so well known for. You have to be a great technical player to do that. They have a great centre-forward there in Ellen White. There's some great defenders. Millie Bright, who plays for Chelsea there as well. So they're in with a shout. I think that there's going to actually going to be enormous pressure on England now because of the, the fact that they're at home, because of the fact that the final is at Wembley, because of the fact that the men's team did what they did in the European Championships. And I wonder if that's, you know, sometimes pressure creates diamonds, but sometimes yes. it makes people crack, you know? So I actually don't think that they're going to do that well because I think that the media storm is going to be very difficult for the girls to avoid that. And the same thing actually happened to France at the 2019 World Cup. A sort of a paranoia about the media set into the French team and really derailed them. And they sort of went out with a whimper rather than a bang in the final, you know? Yeah. So you have them, you have France, who are, or sorry, you have Spain, who are just an incredible football team. Many of them coming from that Barcelona team that uh, won the Champions League last year, demolished Chelsea in the first half of the 2021 final, and then were beaten by Lyon in this year's final. Again, a, a tremendous technical team, well able to play. You have France, you have Germany, who think I've won the tournament. They won it six times in a row and eight times in total. You have Sweden, who somehow managed to contrive to lose the Olympic final to Canada on penalties last year, when they were expected to walk away with the gold medal. They have a superb team. I saw them playing against Brazil last night. They beat them 3-1. And they just have such an array of attacking talent. Norway, it's not just Hegebay. You have Caroline Grom Hansen, who plays for Barcelona. The kind of player that yourself and Liam Brady and John Giles would love, Eamon. She's so intelligent on the ball. And she has the skill to back it up. So she knows if she's going to cross the ball early, she can put it on, on a sixpence. Uh, if she wants to take on her defender, she can do that as well. Tremendous player to watch. On the other side, you have Guru Wrighton, who plays for, for uh, Chelsea. Entirely left-footed, a bit like Maradona. But when her left foot is that good, that's what you need. So what I'm really looking forward to uh, is all these great players being there, but also the fact that it's on at a great time in Central Europe. So we'll be able to see all these games at six, seven o'clock, eight, nine o'clock on, on a summer's evening. There's no competition from anything else. Um, yes. There's no Olympics. There's no nothing like that. So getting the chance to see all these players. And I am 100% convinced that if I never open my mouth from the, the start of the tournament to the end, the people are going to end up watching this and go, wow, this is incredible. And will Sky, are Sky covering it or uh, BBC? As far as Do I know, you know, it's the BBC. I think it's the BBC who have the rights to show the tournament. And yeah. the interesting thing is that it's gone from... I, I remember when I did that in 2013, I thought that, you know, people would be beating down my door now in 2015 for the World Cup. I watched that from my sofa here in Sweden because the breakthrough didn't happen. 2019, yes. I worked for FIFA because I wanted to be at the tournament. So I took a job with FIFA as a content producer with the Norwegian team. So I travelled with them and I produced all sorts of stuff for them. And actually, next week, I'm going over there to work again with the Norwegians, this time for UEFA, to do their live match blogs and their post-match interviews and that kind of thing you know right. but it's incredible like if you compare 2013 and 2015 where the press box could have been a shoe box uh, you know yes. could have been a telephone box and we all would have fit in it but now when i see the amount of people who are accredited uh, the amount of colleagues are saying yeah i'm going there i'll see you in brighton i'll see you for norway or playing against england or for, against northern ireland i'll see you there and it has just become you know it's been sort of absorbed into sports coverage now rte has to be said they do a fantastic job tony who yes. he wasn't in georgia now but he's often out there he's always there when the girls are training he spends a lot of time getting to know them interviewing Vera Powell the Irish coach so it's been taken an awful lot more seriously not just by RTE and BBC but by media outlets such as Sky who also sponsor the Irish team and that's you know it's a real chicken and egg situation as you mentioned Eamon you want to draw eyes to the game because that brings money that brings sponsors like Cadbury's who sponsor the Irish team so without that coverage nothing happens but you also have to have a compelling product and I hate to refer to sports as a product 
But essentially, that's what it is. And yep. now we have that. Now we have a technical level. We have drama. We have rivalry. We have great teams. We have great players and great personalities. So the stage is set for a really great tournament. Right. And just a, a couple of final questions, Philip, about attendances at games in the first instance. Because to play great sport, you need a great atmosphere. And yes, when Ireland are playing, when the Irish women's team is playing, uh, they play out in Tala, they do get crowds. But in general, and this is a question for everywhere, whether it's uh, America or Europe, are people going to the games? Is the atmosphere there? Because you do need atmosphere as an athlete to prosper and to be inspired. Uh, last night, Sweden against Brazil, their last friendly before the tournament. The previous record for Sweden was about 24,000 24, for a game they played against Germany in 2019. Last night, 33,218 people turned up. And it's a different crowd, Eamon, because the people who watch women's football, there's an awful lot more women, there's an awful lot more girls there. So the atmosphere doesn't tend to be as hostile as what, what it might yeah. be, say, at an old firm game. So it's a much more family-oriented thing. It's also a much cheaper experience, right? So if you're going to see a European a game of the European Championships in England, you might get you know a, a ticket for a fraction of what it would cost you to see the, the men's Champions League and the men's World Cup. So the people who are priced out of watching Manchester United at Old Trafford are now paying for season tickets for £60, £70 for the year, and they now go and watch the women's team instead. So it's certainly growing. Earlier on this year, uh, Barcelona played two games at the Camp Nou this year. The first one was El Clasico against Real Madrid. Over 90,000 people came. The second one was the Champions League uh, semi-final first leg, I think it was, against Wolfsburg. Again, over 90,000 people came. Now, you're not going to get 90,000 people going to see uh, th these games week in and week out, right? But Katie McCabe, I think, was asked after Ireland's 9-0 win over Georgia, would she like to see the games move from Tala to the Aviva Stadium where the men's team play? And she said no. Yes. For exactly that reason you're saying. They love that atmosphere. They love having those people behind them. They love yeah. the fact that women and girls and families are there. And it's amazing. You can even hear it in the singing and the chanting, you know, how a woman's voice much higher than yours or mine you know so you can actually yeah. hear those differences but the other thing is that they feel a closeness to the supporters Eamon because Courtney Brosnan Louise Quinn Katie Denise O'Sullivan from Cork they take the time to go around and to sign the autographs and to take the selfies with fans and that in turn then breeds a new generation because people you, you've met I'm sure you know you, in your, well maybe in your time English teams didn't come over as much but you know people would have met George Best playing in Cork they yeah. become lifelong fans of Best of Manchester City of Northern Ireland of all the things that he's done for. So they're creating this new generation because of that closeness. I would imagine that the BBC coverage, this is going to be wall-to-wall -wall now during the Euros uh, in yeah. England. And I would think that most of the games, even for the neutral observer, you know, for games, I'm going to be seeing Norway against Austria. And I would expect much more people to be there than, you know, Norway against South Korea that I was at in uh, in France in 2019, for instance. Some of the games I saw in 2013 where the crowds were disappointing. I think that's Neutral fans, you know, Manchester United fans would want to see Vilde Borisa and Maria Torresdottir, both Norwegian internationals, if they play in Manchester. They'll come out because they like those players now. That didn't exist before. Is women's football where it needs to be in terms of crowds? No, there are still things that need to be done, but they're on the right path. And these right. big tournaments and these, you know, big dramatic events, there's going to be penalty shootouts. There's going to be last minute winners. There's going to be rockets into the top corner. And the, the fall off effect of that then, of seeing all this in England, is going to be seen in Tala in September. 
remember, it's going to be seen in the Women's Super League. Then. Yes. And just to point out, Eamon, I came over for the game when Ireland played Sweden in Tala. Poor old Louise Quinn deflected a Stina Blackstein yes, shot. I saw it. Yeah. yeah, it was terrible for her. You know, Louise, who played here in Sweden for Eskilstuna as well. And But then when Sweden came over here and played in Gothenburg, it was a 1-1 draw. It was probably, in my estimation, the best result in modern times for the, uh, the Irish team abroad. They were delighted with it. But that crowd that night, it, it, you couldn't get a ticket in. I mean, I was looking for tickets for, there was a girl who was over there working for SVT, the Swedish state broadcaster. Her sister was in town and we couldn't get her a ticket on the day. And when you see that happen on Tala Stadium, I think it's only a matter of time before the same thing might happen at Daily Mount or maybe even the Aviva Stadium in five or ten years' time. Okay, let's hope so. Just before you go, Philip, I like to have a bet. Who's favourites? Uh, uh, who's going to win? The favourites would be Spain, England, probably Germany and France, right? If you want a dark horse, bit of value for money, my friends in Norway are the team to be on, right? They're missing, the only thing they're missing is a world-class goalkeeper. Cecilia Fiskestan tore an ACL there just before the tournament. Otherwise, I wouldn't say you could get a better up. Hegeberg is an incredible player, Eamon. And as long as they can feed her, she's a beast in front of goal. They have a really solid defence and they have three great central midfielders fighting for two places. And that to me, if you've that strong spine, you know yourself, if you've that strong spine through the team you can go a very long way they made it to the final in 2013 they missed two penalties lost to Germany they let that one get away that was Hegeberg's first tournament and when I spoke to her last week Eamon this is what I love about that girl she's such a born winner you know one of these people who you know she can't let that go she has to have revenge for that okay. and it wouldn't surprise me if all the Hegeberg and Norway's revenge would come in Wembley on July 31st at the Euro final okay well we'll be watching uh, and we're very grateful to you Philip for given us that tour de force about the women's game. It's brilliant uh, that it's happening and that it's growing and it looks unstoppable. And let's hope uh, that the Irish women can qualify for the World Cup. It'll be a tough task, but they're clearly on the right path. And uh, uh, when they're ready to make the move from Tala to the Aviva, that will be a great day uh, for Irish uh, soccer in general, and let's hope the FAI do the right thing uh, by our women footballers. Philip O'Connor uh, in Sweden, we're very grateful to Philip, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.